0: Good evening. This is GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. We at GradCast are here to bring the graduate life at Western to you guys. My name is Navneet.
1: And I'm your co-host today, Ariel Frame. Uh, today, we have an interesting show. Uh, we actually have two guests speaking with us, Shannon Potter and Dimitri Marin. Um, and Nav's going to tell us about uh, who they are and why we have two guests today. Well, so a little background.
0: Usually GradCast has graduate students come on our show and talk about their research because that's the big part of grad life. But today, we're here to talk about something a little more controversial. It's about, if you've been following the news at Western, you, you probably have heard about the, the TA strike that's been happening or ready to happen. Well, if you've been receiving emails, you've probably been confused about what's happening with the whole university and the labor union sending out emails that seem to contradict each other. So, well, we figured we've got to clear this out, and we have here, like Ariel said, Shannon Potter, who is a president of the PSAC Local 610, and we also have Dimitri, who is a member of the bargaining team. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Hello, Dimitri. Hello. Well so just to give our listeners over here of what what's happening could you first give us a background about what is PSAC what is this labor union
2: Sure. So uh, PSAC is Public Service Alliance of Canada. Um, So this is a national union with over 180,000 members across Canada. Um, Our local is PSAC Local 610, which is the union uh, for graduate teaching assistants and postdocs at Western University.
0: And when you say a labor union, that would also include members who are not TAs and postdocs, such as I believe bus drivers and truck drivers and um, such workers.
2: So are so okay. So PSAC has a variety of different bargaining right. units across Canada. So our local is just for graduate teaching assistants and okay. postdocs. So those employees at Western University. All right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So now let's dig into the matter over here. You've been you've been in discussion with the university on trying to get a better. Um, offer for us graduate teaching assistants so could you give us a little history about how this came about and when did it start and
2: the chronology of it yeah sure so we're currently negotiating for a new collective agreement Um, so our previous collective agreement expired on august 31st 2017 Um, And we have been in negotiations with Western University uh, throughout fall 2017 and and continuing now. So our first negotiations meeting was on November 22nd, 2017, um, where we started exchanging uh, non-monetary proposals with Western. And we have had several bargaining meetings since then. um, And in February, we started uh, negotiating over uh, monetary demands. We... We did go for a uh, strike mandate vote.
3: Uh, yeah, so it was in the middle of the march. We have uh, several sessions.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, and so our members uh, gave an overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly strong uh, strike mandate. Um, and the day after that, uh, Western um, Western requested what's called a no board report, um, which put us in a position as of April 13th uh, to be um, so it's a legal uh, strike or lockout position and so then so then we went back to the bargaining table so we continued negotiations and Western then proposed so we so we continued to pass proposals back and forth Um, and then Western gave um, their well gave what's called a final offer and so they this is something that um, it's it's not recommended by the bargaining team. So this is this is Western's proposal of a collective agreement, and it's kind of where they're at their current position in negotiations. And because we believe that there still needs to be improvements, we we don't recommend that. Um, but we did agree to take it back to our members, um, knowing that you know the the 13th is a legal striker lockout position. So we want again to have the input of members before before that. So so then we had those um, those votes were on uh, April 11th and 12th and members voted no yeah
1: so um i imagine when i when i heard about this final offer and how it came up came to us it kind of felt to me kind of like uh, on a tv show where you hear um uh when two lawyers representing different uh parties are bargaining and debating about something and the one lawyer says to the other lawyer here i have an offer and then he goes you know what you as the lawyer you're required to go and show this offer to your Representative, so I felt like hey, the union is representing us, and now the, the school has come up with an offer, and you're forced to bring it to us. And, and we were then getting the ultimate decision, and, and then it was on you guys to make the recommendation that you did, which was, wasn't was good enough. Was that sort of how it went?
2: So it, it wasn't a forced final offer vote, um, but knowing that the 13th was a legal checker lockout position, and knowing that you know the employer is saying that they this is you know, this is their nearing their last offer, this is their final offer, this is something that we we chose to bring back to members so that they can have their input. And I just wanna add that it's not like the bargaining process is we're we're passing proposals back and forth and we're coming you know, we're coming closer together and that a lot of what was in the final offer is things that were already kind of signed off by both bargaining teams. So it's not like we've agreed, but it's like kind of a it's an agreement between the two bargaining teams that like you know, these articles are things that we have agreed on. So it's not like Western Unilaterally proposed a final offer. Um, Like what's contained in that final offer is things that both teams have been working very hard on um, since November, Um, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot in the final offer that we're really happy about. Like we do think we've we've secured meaningful gains to collective agreement, Um, and and that's through the process of negotiations that has been going on the last two semesters.
0: Right, and what you said now has just given me so many questions in my Mm -hmm. mind so I'm going to take a few steps back and um, go back to your statement about the monetary and non-monetary bargains that you've been demanding so could you flesh that out a little more like what are the non-monetary demands and the monetary demands
2: yeah, sure. Okay. So, I mean, in, in general, monetary demands are what's going to cost Western money. Um, non-monetary demands are other changes to collective agreement. Okay. So we started with non-monetary, and um, and these include things like improvements to orientation time, uh, improvements to no discrimination, no harassment language, improvements to the information that the university has to give the, the union, um, uh, changes to duty specification agreement. Uh, a, a big demand from our members that was non-monetary was addressing issues of overtime, Um, So overtime is non-monetary because overtime already exists in the collective agreement. If you go over hours, you're supposed to get paid at time and a half. We know in practice that, well, from our survey results, over half of members have worked overtime, uh, yet... A very small fraction have actually got overtime pay. Um, so and why would
0: that be? Like why is it? Yeah. Hard so to so we
2: asked that question too. So we wanted to figure out what what were the barriers and um, people cite things such as um, you know not wanting to be blamed for poor performance. So if you know that you're going over hours and you go and ask your TA supervisor if you can, you know, you're going over hours, can you have overtime pay or, or what what to do? They can kind of say, well, why is it taking you so long? This shouldn't be that hard. And people don't want to basically deal with that stuff. Um, and also, there's a sense among grad students that, or among uh, graduate teaching assistants, that you can't actually get overtime pay. So, why kind of go through that, that process? Um, and it turns out that that's correct because of people that ask for it. Um, like, I don't know, what, what's the percentage that actually get paid? So, on a, a regularly, it's, it's 1%. I think 8%. Seven eight percent said like they um, they have got paid overtime, but not all the time. So we're talking like in effect, nobody really gets paid overtime. Um, but it is still a non monetary demand because it's already in the collective agreement the monetary aspects of it. So we, we had proposed a overtime application form just to kind of normalize
1: normalize getting a, overtime,
2: okay. and we do have an agreement like a, an agreement between the bargaining teams on that. So that's a that is a big gain that we have made um, made in bargaining, and this is something that is like mutually agreed upon by both bargaining teams. And that's part of the final offer. Yeah.
3: And if I can add to this overtime issue. This yeah, so um, one of the big gains is that we actually introduced a procedure. Previously, we just had a bunch of requirements, but now we actually have a procedure. So TA should need to fill a form, and they need to, s- to send it to their course supervisor and to SGPS. The good thing here is that they don't have to approach their departments and we encourage them not to approach departments because departments have to pay and that's a source of the resistance for getting overtime pay. And another thing there will be a guideline developed by SGPS in consultation with the union on on how correctly estimate workload. And this overtime will also address the problem of administering overtime provisions so it would be a book rule how to assess the overtime applications and it will be published and available for ta so they can make a preliminary assessment of their situation and actually be more confident that their application would be approved
0: okay okay that sounds very encouraging and the other aspect of the monetary demands
2: Good. Such d- as? yeah, yeah. I didn't want to forget that part. Yeah. So, um, so we have uh, a mandate from members of the of the top demands to be bargaining for, and so um, the number one was a real wage increase. Um, so we know from survey results that um, that almost half our members report net income below eleven thousand dollars. So we know that a real wage increase is something that absolutely um, is necessary for our members. Um, there's also a the time that it takes to complete a program. Isn't the same thing as the time that you can be employed as a teaching assistant. So, if so, the average time to complete a, a PhD is five years, whereas the you can only be a teaching assistant um, as a PhD student for four years. So, we wanted to we wanted to close that gap. I mean, our view is that if you're here as a graduate student, you should be able to work as a teaching assistant. Um, that wasn't our proposal, but our proposal was um, was to add was to extend the employment period. And
0: um, and I think that's yeah. that's an honorable proposal because you're just asking for the opportunity to work
2: exactly yeah we we feel it's we feel it's very reasonable um yeah but so far we haven't western hasn't there hasn't been movement um from western side in terms of extending not even by one semester um the 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 employment period um we also know that our members about half of our members are vulnerable to tuition increases so when um, so when tuition increases, their net income decreases. And so in order to make sure that a real wage increase is something meaningful, i.e. it can't just be um, counteracted by increase in tuition, we had proposed a tuition rebate. So the tuition rebate wasn't meaning that Western pays your tuition, but it would mean that when tuition increases, they have to transfer back the equivalent dollar amount of money to the teaching assistant so that you're not vulnerable to, to those increases.
0: In some sense, a tuition freeze for the, for yeah, the TA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Um. Uh, we had also proposed increases, so other non-monetary demand uh, was increases to to benefit programs, um, and and Western has has responded to our proposals for changes to benefits. So it's not to say that you know there doesn't need to be, I don't know, that we couldn't use more funds towards those benefit programs. But I can say that the bar, like we're happy with with what we have got for for benefits. Um, that's something that we we're happy to bring back to members. Yeah.
3: I also want to add that an important part of our wage proposal was to protect increases mm-hmm. from clawbacks. Because the university has uh, provide money from different sources to graduate students, they have opportunity to compensate increase in your salary by decrease in your WRS, And we know that that has been the case for many of our members. So important part of our demands was to secure the language but would explicitly prohibit such things from happening. And uh, in that sense, uh tuition rebate is also a protection from a clawback, but a clawback of a different
1: kind. So that's actually that's really good. I'm glad I mean I feel like uh everyone is invested in this, whether they think they are or not. Uh and it can be hard uh to deal with all these issues issues, it's quite a lot of information so you know thank you for for taking the time and effort to do it and looking to, to the details the the nitty-gritty it makes it makes a difference so um it's clear it's clear uh it's clear that there is a disparity between uh costs for graduate students and how much they're getting paid via ta ships uh, and that we're seeing whether it be the tuitions or the scholarships changing and fluctuating Whereas our pay is not <laughs> in the right direction, at least. But I wanted to, to really uh, touch on something that, that I think is the, m- might be one of the mo- most important things for us to talk about. Uh, and, uh, and that is this term that everyone is talking about, and uh, that's strike. So, so the question is, we, we heard the chronology of, you know, we went as we would, us- we would usually go to bargain about a new contract, and there was a disagreement. And now the disagreement has gone to a point where we can't settle. First of all, what is a strike? What is a lockout? What does this mean? We need to be uh, clear about this. But I think people want to hear from you. What, what is that? What is that going to be? Uh, and then exactly where do we stand? Because again, as Nav mentioned, there's a, there seems to be some miscommunication. So what are these things and what are the implications?
2: That was that was many questions. So I think that yeah, peop, some people might be confused. We know that um, some people, some graduate teaching assistants, when they show up to their proctoring shifts, um, find that there are other people there to do their work instead of them, and I think that that can certainly create some confusion and make you think that hey, maybe you're on strike because Western has sent some replacement labor. Um, so
3: we are not on strike. Yeah.
2: We're not on strike, and
3: we are not locked out.
2: You will know. Members will know. Okay, <laughs> members will be the first to know if anything like that happens. Um, so there's a variety of different there's a variety of different forms of strike, or there's a variety of different strike actions. Um, I think that the one that people are probably thinking about and, and talking about is what's called a well in PSAC a PSAC general strike, and so this is you fully withdrawing your labor from your from your teaching assistant work. Um, a lockout is going to be the same thing as a general strike, except it's initiated by the employer. So the employer tells you that you can't come in and do your work. Um, In the event of a lockout, it would appear to be, it would be similar to a strike in the sense of members would be doing um, strike duties in order to get strike pay, because if the employer locks you out from your work, then you're not getting paid to do your work. So you um, you would need to be participating in in strike duties to get but strike pay. Why would the
0: university do that during an exam time over here now?
2: I have no idea why the university would do it, but they are the ones that requested a no board report, and they are the ones that put us in a in a legal strike or lockout position. Um, that wasn't an action taken by the union. That was an action taken by Western. So if they didn't have any interest in locking us out, it's I'm I'm at a loss for why they, why, you know why they would have uh, got that. Um, Another possibility is they want to make people afraid. I, I like I'm I'm not sure, but they, they took they took the initiative, they took the action that put them in a position to lock us out. Um, and what we've seen in practice is that again when you show up or when, when when TAs are showing up to their proctoring duties, they're finding that there's replacement workers that have been sent to proctor. So I think Western I don't know, they're ready to lock us out. Uh, there's been times where we thought that maybe this is them locking us out because y- people are showing up to work and there's already other people there working instead of them. Um, so I think at this time we Western sent out some clarifying communication yesterday like no TA's are not on strike, you're not locked out um, you know, proceed to do your work so it seems like no they haven't locked us out but you know
1: and I don't I know, I kind of lost
2: a, my
3: If <laughs> it's important to say that Union and the employer agreed to not uh, lock out, not to strike and not to change employment condition until the conclusion of the mediation which will
0: happen tomorrow and the day after tomorrow okay so looking forward you do have another renegotiation coming up tomorrow okay w- just a moment for for our listeners over here when this episode is being released it's going to be released on a date that's after the 18th and 19th which is when Uh, the bargaining team will be renegotiating with the university. So when you listen to this episode, the renegotiation would have already occurred. But looking forward, tomorrow, the 18th and 19th, when you are bargaining with the university, what extra demands demands are you proposing now for tomorrow? Okay, so the
3: list of demands and the priority of demands was mandated by membership, and a special meeting and that has not been changed so we still bargaining for real wage increase for extended employment period and tuition rebates and uh, this mandate has not been changed it was actually uh, reinforced by members voting no to, to, to the last offer of the university and we going to the bargaining table with the same mandate
0: so it's mostly the monetary demands that are still pending
2: Yeah. The reason I hesitate is because I'm not sure if there's been one thing that we've got agreement on at the last meeting. But I mean, the the substantial, the main monetary demands are still outstanding.
0: Okay. I just want to change tracks over here and talk about how you both, and your team, uh, at the bargaining team, that is, how you both, um, like what are the challenges you've faced in motioning for this whole bargain since November?
2: I, I don't know. I I don't know. I'll let Dimitri maybe answer that. But I just want to say, like, I found it actually, like, I found it to be very positive. I found we have many engaged members. I mean, um, yeah, I've, I don't know if I found it. I found it positive. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So one of the biggest challenge is that our university campus is very diverse. And different departments, TAs in different departments face different problems, and it's very hard to um, mobilize them around one particular issue. So, uh, of course, like real wage increase is is an issue for everyone, but, for example, uh, tuition rebates only affect half of the population. Uh, But I think we've been successful so far to mobilize a substantial amount of our members and... We know from the feedback from uh, PSAC Ontario that that level of engagement is unique for that particular local, and we uh, really be able to get a lot more people uh, out for votes and for participation than
0: ever before. Okay, so. The way I understand it now, as of now, there is no collective agreement, as in the collective agreement has expired and it's in some sort of a limbo right now with the... So, so, um, the collective agreement expired at the end of the August,
3: but there is a uh, statutory freeze that actually says that employment conditions and privileges should be in place, but that until no board has expired, and no board expired on uh, April 13th. It's the time we entered into legal strike and um, lockout position. So right now, collective agreement and all conditions there are not in effect. And that means that employer may unilaterally change conditions
0: of employment. Okay. So from all this commotion over here, where do you draw your support from? Why, why are you getting the support for this? As in, I, I understand that Fanshawe College, which is our neighboring institute, they were on strike as well. And, and right now, York University is on strike as well, they are, as in they are TA members. So is this, like, mm-hmm. when, when I look at it, it's, it's something that's happening not just at Western, but it's happening across Ontario, to some extent, that is. But are you like is is it some sort of a collaboration that's happening, or is it like are you all a team in this? Could you expand on that? Like, uh, do you all support each other on this? Yeah. So all unions
3: tend to support each other because you like the employers has all employers have all the power, and unions just try to get something of it back to the members. So all unions, they stand together in solidarity and support each other. In terms of um, uh, Fenchel College or York University, there are systematic problems in academia across Ontario. And the reasons why um, labor negotiations go that far, uh, they are the same across the university. So we're trying to solve the same problems As in Fenshaw College, for example, uh, the big issue is um, job security. And in our context, it's extended employment period, which is also job security. Uh, And the same things like um, student poverty. Poverty is uh, um, something that York University or (coughs) University of Toronto is trying to solve. Um, Like labor unions they're trying to solve. Uh, so there are similar problems. We support each other, and we definitely exchange uh, our experience. And uh, that's it. Okay. And the biggest biggest source of support is, of course, our members. And we we want to thank everyone who came out to vote and um, and uh, reassured us. that we still have, but we do have trust of the membership.
2: I, I wanted to add something on that, but <laughs> the the amount of members who came out to vote on the final offer vote, it might have seemed to them like really chaotic, um, but I can say that, and, and I guess it was, but I can say that it, it was really amazing the amount of of involvement, engagement, and, and actually support, because its members coming out to, you know, to speak out, to have their voices heard about what they want, and you know, if there is a strike, what they want it to look like, and, um, and and, and that was really amazing, and so I feel like it it really is like we definitely like have you know there's, um, their support within the community as as Dimitri mentioned, but there's it's it's really what we've seen is members coming out and this being member driven, and it's it's really amazing to see.
1: Okay. So uh, we are unfortunately getting to kind of the end of our time here. Um, so this has been great that we've gotten, uh, I mean, in as best we can, uh, as concisely as we can, uh, as much information about this situation that we're in uh, right now. So we, you know, obviously we could talk for another half mm-hmm. an hour about Um, you know the specifics because obviously there's a lot to talk about Um, but at this rate uh, we're going to end and the last thing just briefly uh, if you could direct people to a website uh, one website where they can get information on this can you just tell us what that website is
2: yes I can and first I want to say that if there's people that needed some more information they can email gta.bt at psac610.ca if people email that, they're emailing the bargaining team. We are happy to answer any questions. We wish our communications can be clear and everyone will understand. But at the end of the day, if you don't, just please get in touch and we're happy to talk. Um, the website that people can go to is uh, gta.psac610.ca.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, hopefully people will go to that website if they have any more things they want to read up on on this issue. Uh, with that, I'm going to end the show. This has been GradCast, a uh, production of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. Uh, I have been one of your hosts, Ariel Frame, uh, here with uh, my co-host, uh, Navneet. Uh, and we've been interviewing Shannon Potter and Dimitri Marin from... Uh, the PSAC local 610. Okay, so that's been our show. Uh, If you would like to come on the show, if you'd like to be a part of the committee, uh, please email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com, and if you want to listen to more of the episodes, uh, you can go and find us at gradcast.ca or wherever podcasts are available. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.